Hello, and thank you for listening to The Katie Halper Show. You can hear The Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. You can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, where you can rate and review us, which we'd love for you to do. On today's episode, I speak to media critic and writer Adam Johnson about two pieces that he wrote for FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, NPR runs IDF playbooks, Spinning Killings of 17 Palestinians. The other one is called Snipers Shooting Unarmed People at 100 Meters Isn't a Clash. Adam also hosts the very good podcast, Citations Needed, which you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes and Patreon. To hear my extended interview with Adam, make sure that you become Patreon members. And to do that, just go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Of course. You have a really great piece uh, at FAIR called NPR Runs IDF Playbook Spinning Killing of 17 Palestinians. Now, by the time that we run this, it's, of course, possible that even more Palestinians will have been killed. We have nine more who were killed at another protest. Well, the, yeah, the NPR, the NPR piece, it's pretty gross. Um, their, their correspondents always live in Israel. They never live in Palestine. They're always... Uh, Israeli or American, they're never Palestinian, let alone, you know, or God forbid, you know, Arab. Um, they, their lead correspondent for years had a, had a kid in the IDF. Um, it's very common for them to have a very pro-Israel bias, way more so than any other publication, really, quite honestly. Um, and they had a correspondent on who repeated all these IDF claims, or I should say that the host, the, the host of NPR. Ari Shapiro, the guest was Daniel Estrin. NPR's Daniel Estrin joins us now on the line from Jerusalem. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Ari. Yeah, so Ari Shapiro repeated IDF claims about firebombs that, again, has yet to be proven by anyone. Tens of thousands of people in Gaza answered the militant group Hamas's call to protest. They threw rocks and firebombs near the border fence with Israel. On the other side, Israeli troops assembled. And then asked Daniel Estrin... Explain why this violence broke out today. He repeated that. Israel responded to uh, Palestinians throwing firebombs. Without qualification, no IDF says. Um, And then he went on to say that Hamas uh, organized the protests. It was billed as an independent Palestinian protest campaign, but actually Hamas, which controls Gaza, was a driving force. It called from from, uh, mosque loudspeakers, encouraging people to gather at the border. Then he said Hamas uh, seized power. Of, of Gaza. Hamas took control of Gaza by force a decade ago. Which isn't really true. They, they won an election in 2006 and there was a then there was an attempt to effectively overthrow them by Fatah. So that even that was kind of misleading. So there's this constant instinct to sort of militarize the entire population by talking about Hamas nonstop ad nauseum. Israel says Hamas is responsible for what happened today. Um, It says Hamas endangered Palestinians' lives by encouraging them to go to the border area, to a hostile zone. And Israeli military officials had been warning Palestinians on social media for days not to go there, arguing that, uh, that Hamas was trying to distract Palestinians from their real everyday problems that they face in Gaza. The IDF repeatedly claimed they had Molotov cocktails, uh, uh, an assertion repeated both by NPR and the Washington Post editorial board. Uh, but there's no actual video or photographic evidence of this. Um, Hamas says they, they, they do not use firebombs or Molotov cocktails, but, are, but have permitted the use of rocks. Um, of course, rocks are not something that's very sexy. People wouldn't really take rocks seriously uh, when you start throwing out words like firebomb, as, um, as NPR did. 
then you then you sort of it looks like they're being bombed. Israel responded to uh, Palestinians throwing rocks, firebombs, uh, burning tires. They threw rocks and firebombs near the border fence with Israel. But of course, they're not really being bombed um, at all because there is no firebombs. Even if there were, they're still Matov cocktails. They're relatively. Yeah relatively Bush League. And then they tried some goofy argument that the burning tires, which the Palestinians were using to prevent snipers from picking them off um, as a form of self-defense, right. that they that the tires were bad for the environment. No. Oh, yeah. No, this was an argument used by by, by the Israeli government and pro-Israel uh, partisans that the that the tire fumes were bad for the for for the for the environment. That's the actual the justification actually for the occupation is that once Palestinians stop burning tires, Israel will be happy to negotiate, and there'll be a two state solution. Well, yeah, there's always some there's always some infinitely regressive goalposts they have to so like you know they have to renounce violence, and so Hamas takes a day off and basically does a nonviolent protest with the exception of some rocks. Um, right. Oh, and that's actually now that's a tool. So in BDS is, you know, according to the Israeli defense minister, is a, is a form of terrorism. There, there's never an appropriate form of resistance. There's always some other thing they right. have to do totally. because the point is that they're they're never supposed to have it, their own state or their own nation, because if they ever have meaningful autonomy and any meaningful power, they know that the, they suspect fairly or not that they would probably want their land back. And Israel's not giving right. them their land back that they stole from them because they don't want to and they're radical Zionists. So they're, they're, the, whole, the Palestinians will, will live forever in subjugation because that's precisely the, that's precisely where, the, where, they, where, they, where their occupying force wants them. Um, right. The, 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 the general ethos is that they always have to militarize Pal- uh, Palestinians, whereas anytime there's violence leveled up, uh, visited upon Israel- Israelis, uh, the, they're always civilianized. They're always seen as 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 innocent people just hanging out, despite the fact that, of course, Israel has universal conscription right. virtually. Unless you're ultra orthodox, ultra religious, then you don't have to be. And you see this a lot and you, with Lebanon as well. Repeatedly, you'll see the term Hamas stronghold or Hezbollah stronghold. Um, in 2015, when ISIS bombed a a a uh, shopping mart in South Beirut. Um, you know, looks like a shopping mart. You, mart you would see anywhere, any you know, in Paris or in Greece, full of nothing but civilians. The uh, ISIS blew it up, killed I think about forty or about fifty something people. And uh, Anne Barnard, the New York Times correspondent in Beirut, who somehow doesn't speak Arabic, even though she's been the New York Times correspondent in Beirut for fifteen years, but that's a different story. She she said uh, ISIS bombs Hezbollah stronghold. Um, so, so, so terms like this, terms like stronghold are constantly used to sort of militarize what is civilian populations. These were women, children, grandmothers shopping at a mart, market. Um, and, but when you hear Hezbollah stronghold, it sounds like ISIS is somehow firing on, you know, a Hezbollah military camp or some such. And so time and time again, you, you, you see Arabs uh, and Muslims um, that their mere existence is militarized. And, and you see this with the way in which people try to treat Hamas as the alpha and omega of resistance within Gaza and, and everyone is a member of Hamas. Um, and Hamas is sort of centered as the mover and director of these of these protests when that's really not the case, that uh, largely civil society organized them. Hamas uh, joined in and sort of helped out in many ways. But, but ultimately, if, if there was no Hamas tomorrow, these protests would almost certainly still be happening. And to hear the rest of my interview with Adam Johnson, please go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And you can also find Adam on Twitter, where his handle is AdamJohnsonNYC. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. See you next week.